this is going to be chapter 5 which is called Only a Picture and I have nothing to say in this intro so let's get reading. Chapter 5 Only a Picture He had unwrapped the book. Maggie saw the brown paper lying on the chair. Neither of them noticed that she had come in. Eleanor was bending over one of the reading desks with Mo beside her. They both had their backs to the door. Amazing. I thought there wasn't a single copy left, Eleanor was saying. There were strange stories about this book going around. The second-hand dealer from whom I buy quite often told me that the three copies were stolen from him a few years ago, all on the same day too. I've heard much the same story from two other booksellers. Really? Yes, very strange, said Mo. But Maggie knew this voice well enough to know that he was only pretending to be surprised. Well, anyway, even if this wasn't a rare book, it means a lot to me, and I'd like to be sure if it's in the safe hands for a while, just till I come back for it. All books are in safe hands with me, replied Eleanor, sounding cross. You know that. They're my children, my inky children, and I look after them well. I keep the sunlight away from their pages. I dust them and protect them from hungry bookworms and grubby human fingers. This one shall have a place of honour, and no one will see it until you want it back. I don't really welcome visitors into my library. They just leave fingerprints and stray hairs in my poor books. Anyway, as you know, I have a very expensive burglar alarm system. Yes, that's extremely reassuring. Most voice sounded relieved. Thank you, Eleanor. I really am most grateful, and if anyone comes knocking at your door in the near future, asking about the book, please will you make out you've never heard of it, all right? Of course, I'll do anything for a good bookbinder, and anyway, you're my niece's husband. I really do miss her sometimes, you know. I expect you feel the same. Your daughter seems to be getting on all right without her, though. She hardly remembers her mother, said Mo quietly. Well, that's a blessing, wouldn't you say? Sometimes it's a good thing we don't remember things half as well as books do, but for them, we probably wouldn't know anything for very long. It would all be forgotten. The Trojan War, Columbus, Marco Polo, Shakespeare, all of the amazing kings and gods of the past. Eleanor turned around and froze. Did I fail to hear you knock? she asked, staring so angrily that Maggie had to summon up all her courage not to turn around and slip quickly back into the passage. How long have you been there, Maggie? asked Mo. Maggie stuck her chin out. She can see it, but you hide it away from you, she said. Attack, she knew, is the best form of defence. You never hid any book from me before. What's so special about this one? Will I go blind if I read it? Will it bite my fingers off? What terrible secrets are in there that I mustn't know? I have my reasons for not showing it to you, replied Mo. He looked very pale. Without another word, he went over and tried to lead her to the door, but Maggie tore herself away. Pig-headed, isn't she? remarked Eleanor. It almost makes me like her. Her mother was just the same. I remember. Come here. She stepped aside and beckoned Maggie over. Look, you can see there's nothing very exciting about this book. At least not to you, but see for yourself. We're always most likely to believe the evidence of our own eyes. Or doesn't your father agree? She cast Mo an inquiring glance. Mo hesitated, hesitated, then resigned himself and nodded. 
The book was lying open on the reading desk. It didn't seem particularly old. Maggie knew what really old books looked like. She had seen books in those workshops with their pages spotted like leopard skin and almost as yellow. She remembered one with binding that had been attacked by a woodworm. Traces of their jaws had looked like tiny bullet holes, and Mo had got out his book block, carefully fixed the pages back together, and then, as he put it, gave them a new dress. Such a dress could be made of leather or linen. It might be plain, or Mo might imprint a pattern on it with his de- tiny decorative stamps. This book was bound in linen, silver green like willow leaves. The edges of the pages were slightly roughened, and the paper was so pale that every letter stood out clear and black. A narrow red bookmark lay between the open pages. The right-hand page had an illustration on it showing women in magnificent dresses, a fire eater, acrobats, and a man who looked like a king. May you turn the pages. There weren't many illustrations, but the first letter of each chapter was itself a little decorative picture. Animals sat on some of the initial letters. Plants twined round others. One F burned bright as fire. Flames looked so real that Peggy touched them with one finger to make sure they weren't hot. The next chapter began with an N. An animal with a fairy tail sat perched in the angle between the second and third strokes of the letter. No one saw him slip out of town, read Maggie, but before she could get any further with the story, Eleanor closed the book in her face. I think that'll do, she said, tucking it under her arm. Your father, your father's asked me to put this book somewhere safe for him, and so I will. Mo took Maggie's hand again, and this time she followed him. Please forget that book, Maggie, he whispered. It's an unlucky story. I'll get you a hundred others. Maggie just nodded. Before Mo closed the door behind them, she caught one last glance of Eleanor standing there looking at the book lovingly, the way Mo sometimes looked at her when she put, when he put her to bed in the evening. Then the door was closed. Where will she put it? asked Peggy, as she followed Mo down the corridor. Oh, she has some good, very good hiding places for such things, replied Mo evasively. But their secret hiding places ought to be. Suppose I show you your room now. He was trying to sound carefree and not succeeding particularly well. It's like a room in an expensive hotel. No, much better. Sounds good, murmured Maggie, looking round, but there was no sign of dust finger. Where had he gone? She had to ask him something. At once. That was all she could think of while Mayu was showing her the room and telling her that everything was all, all right now. He just had to do his bookbinding work and then they'd go home. Maggie nodded and pretended to be listening, but her mind was full of, full of the question she wanted to ask Dustfinger. It burned on her lips so fiercely that she was surprised Mayu didn't see it there. When Mo left her to go and fetch their bags from the camper van, Maggie went into the kitchen, but Dustfinger wasn't there either. She even looked for him in Eleanor's bedroom, but uh, how many other doors in the huge house she opened, there was no sign of him. Finally, she was too tired to go on searching. Mo had gone to bed long ago, and Eleanor had disappeared into her own bedroom. So Maggie went to her room and lay down in the big bed. She felt very lost in it, like a dwarf, as if she had shrunk. Like Alice in Wonderland, she thought, patting the flower bed linen. Otherwise, she liked the room. It was full of books and pictures, and there was even a fireplace, although it looked as if no one had used it for at least a hundred years. Maggie swung her legs out the bed again and went over to the window. Outside, night had fallen long ago, and when she pushed the window shutters open, a cool breeze blew on her face. 
the only thing that she could make out of the dark was the gravel forecourt in front of the house. A lamp cast pale light over the grey and white pebbles. Most stripy vans stood beside Eleanor's grey estate car like a zebra lost in a horse's stable. Maggie thought of the house that they had left in such a hurry, and her room there, and school, where her desk would have been empty today. She wasn't sure whether she felt homesick or not. She left the shutters open when she went to bed. Mo had put her book box beside her. Wearily, she took a book out and tried to make herself a nice nest in its familiar words, but it was no good. Again and again, the thought of other, the other book blurred the words again. And again, Maggie saw the big initial letters behind before her, large colourful letters surrounded by figures whose story she didn't know because the book hadn't had time to tell it to her. I must find Dustfinger, she thought sleepily. He must be here somewhere. But then the book slipped from her fingers and she fell asleep. The sun woke her the next morning. The air was still cool from the night before, but the sky was cloudless. And when Maggie leaned out of the window, she could see the lake gleaming in the distance, beyond the branches of the trees. The room Eleanor had given to her was on the first floor. Mo was sleeping only two doors further along, but Dustfinger had to make do with an attic room. Maggie had seen it when she was looking for him yesterday. It held nothing but a narrow bed surrounded by crates of books towering up to the rafters. Mo was already sitting at the table with Eleanor when Maggie came down to the kitchen for breakfast. But Dustfinger wasn't there. Oh, he's had breakfast already, said Eleanor sharply, when Maggie asked about him. Along with some animal, like a Pomeranian dog. It was sitting on the table and it spat at me when I came into the kitchen. I wasn't expecting anything like that. I made it clear to your peculiar friend that flies are the only animals I'll allow anywhere near my kitchen table. And so he took the furry creature outside. What do you want him for? asked Mo. Oh, nothing special. I I just wanted to ask him something, said Maggie. She hastily ate half a slice of bread, drank some of the horribly bitter cocoa Eleanor had made, and went out. She found Dusterfinger behind the house, standing on a lawn of short, rather rough grass, where a solitary jack chair stood next to a, a plaster angel. There was no sign of Gwyn. A few birds were quarrelling among the red flowers of the rhododendron, and there sit. There stood Dustfinger looking lost to the world and juggling. Maggie tried to count the coloured balls. Four, six, eight. He plucked them out of the air so swiftly that it made her dizzy to watch him. He stood on one leg to catch them, casually, as if he didn't even have to look. Only when he spotted Maggie did a ball escape its fingers and roll at her feet. Maggie picked it up and threw it back. Where did you learn to do that? she asked. It looked, well, wonderful. Dustfinger made her a mocking bow. There was that strange smile of his again. It's how I earn my living, he said, with struggling and a few other things. How can you earn a living that way? At markets and fairs, children's birthday parties. Did you ever go to one of those fairs where people pretend they're still living in medieval times? Maggie nodded. Yes, she had been once to a fair like that with Mo. There had been wonderful things there, so strange that they might have come from another world, not just another time. Mo had brought her a box decorated with brightly coloured stones and a little fish made of shiny green and gold metal, with its mouth wide open and a jingle in its hollow body that rang like a little bell when you shook it. The air had smelled of freshly baked bread, smoke and damp clothes, and Maggie had watched a smith making a sword and had hidden behind Mo's back from a woman in a witch's costume. 
Dustfinger picked up his juggling balls and put them back in his bag, which was standing open in the grass behind him. Mengi went over to it and it looked inside. She saw some bottles, some white cotton wool and a carton of milk, but before she could see any more, Dustfinger closed the bag. Sorry, trade secrets, he said. Your father's given the book to Eleanor, hasn't he? Mengi shrugged her shoulders. It's alright, you can tell me. I know anyway. I was listening. He's mad to leave it here, but what can I do? Dustfinger sat down on the deck chair. His rucksack was on the grass next to him, with a bushy tail spilling out of it. I saw Gwyn, said Maggie. Did you? Dustfinger leaned back, closing his eyes. His hair looked even paler in the sunlight. So did I. He's in the rucksack. It's the time of day when he sleeps. I mean, I saw him in the book. Maggie didn't take her eyes off Dustfinger's face as she said this but didn't move a muscle. Her thoughts couldn't be read on his brow, in the same way she could read Rose. Dustfinger's face was a closed book, and Maggie had the feeling that if anyone tried reading it, he would rap their knuckles. He was sitting on a letter, she went on, a capital N. I saw his horn. Really? Dustfinger didn't even open his eyes. And do you know which of her thousands of shelves that book mad woman put it on? Maggie ignored his question. Why does Gwyn look like the animal in the book, she asked. Did you really stick those horns on him? Dustfinger opened his eyes and blinked up in the sun. Hmm, did I? He inquired, looking at the sky. A few clouds were drifting over Eleanor's house. The sun disappeared behind one of them, and its shadow fell across the green grass like an ugly mark. Does your father often read aloud to you, Maggie? asked Dustfinger. Maggie looked at him suspiciously. Then she knelt down beside the rucksack and stroked Gwyn's silky tail. No, she said, but he taught me to read when I was five. Ask him why he doesn't read aloud to you, said Dustfinger, and don't let him put you off with excuses. What do you mean? Maggie straightened up, feeling cross. He doesn't like reading aloud, that's all. Dustfinger smiled, leaning out of the deck chair. He put one hand into the rucksack. Ah. That feels like a nice full stomach, he commented. I think Gwyn had a good hunting last night. I hope he's not been plundering a nest again. Perhaps it's just Eleanor's rolls and eggs. Gwyn's tail twitched back and forth, almost like a cat's. Maggie looked at the rucksack with distaste. She was glad she couldn't see Gwyn's muzzle. There might still be blood on it. Dustfinger leaned back in Eleanor's deck chair. Should I give you a performance this evening? Show you what the bottles, the cup cotton wool and all the other mysterious things in my bag are for, he asked without looking at her. It has to be dark for that, pitch dark. Are you scared to be out, do- out of doors in the middle of the night? Of course not, said Maggie offended, although really she was not at all happy to be out in the dark. But first tell me why you stuck those horns on Gwyn, and tell me what you know about the book. Dustfinger folded his arms behind his head. Oh, I know a lot about that book, he said, and perhaps I'll tell you some time but the first two of us have have a date here at 11 o'clock tonight okay maggie looked up at the blackbird singing its heart out on eleanor's rooftop okay she said 11 o'clock tonight then she went back to the house eleanor had suggested that mo set up his workshop next door to the library there was a little room where she kept her collection of old books about animals and plants but there seemed to be no kind of book eleanor didn't collect she kept this collection on shelves of pale, honey-coloured wood. 
on some of the shelves, the books were popping up glass display cases of beetles binned to the cupboard, which only made Maggie dislike Eleanor all the more. By the only window was a handsome table with turned legs, and it was barely half as long as the one Mo had in his workshop at home. Perhaps that was why he was swearing quietly to himself when Maggie put her head round the door. Look at this table, he said. You could source a stamp collection on it, but not find books. This whole room is too small. Where am I going to put the press and my tools? Last time I worked up in the attics, but now they're filled with crates of books too. Maggie stroked the spines of the books kind of close together on the shelves. Just tell her you need a bigger table. Carefully, she took a book off the shelf. It contained pictures of the strangest of insects. Beetles with horns, beetles with proboscises. One even had a proper nose. Maggie passed her forefinger over the pastel-coloured pictures. Mo, why haven't you ever read aloud to me? Her father turned round so abruptly that the book almost fell from her hand. Why do you ask me that? You've been talking to Dustfinger, haven't you? What did he tell you? Nothing. Nothing at all. Maggie herself didn't know why she was lying. She put the beetle book back in its place. It felt almost as if someone was spinning a very fine web around the two of them, whoever secrets and lies closing in, the, in on them all the time. I think it's a good question, though, she said as she took out another book. It was called Masters of Disguise. Creatures in it that look like live twigs or dry leaves. Mo turned his back to her again. He began laying out all his implements on the table, even though it was too small. His folding tool on the left, then the round-headed hammer he used to tap the spines of books into shape. A sharp paper knife. He usually whistled under his breath as he worked, but now he was perfectly quiet. Maggie sensed that his thoughts were far away. Far away. But where? Finally, he sat on the side of the table and looked at her. I just don't like reading aloud, he said, as if it was the most un uninteresting subject in the world. You know I don't, that's all. But why not? I mean, you make up stories. You tell wonderful stories. You can do all the voices and make it exciting and then funny. Mo crossed his arms over his chest as if hiding behind them. You could read me Tom Sawyer, suggested Maggie, or How the Rhinoceros Got His Skin. That was one of Mo's favourite stories. When she was smaller, they sometimes played at having crumbs in their clothes, like the crumbs in the rhino skin. Yes, an excellent story, murmured Mo, turning his back to her again. He picked up the folder in which he kept his end papers and leafed absentmindedly through them. Every book should begin with attractive end papers, he'd once told Maggie, preferably in a dark colour, dark red or dark blue, depending on the binding. When you open the book, it's like going to the theatre. First you see the curtain, then it's pulled aside and the show begins. Maggie, I really do have to work now, he said, without turning round. The sooner I'm through with Eleanor's books, the sooner we can go home again. Maggie put the book about creatures who were masters of disguise back in its place. Suppose he didn't stick the horns on, she asked. What? Gwyn's horns. Suppose Dustfinger didn't stick them on. Well, he did. Mo drew a chair back up to the table. That was not long enough for him. By the way, Eleanor's gone shopping. If you feel faint with hunger before she gets back, just make yourself a couple of pancakes, okay? Okay, murmured Maggie. For a moment, she wondered whether to tell him about her date with Dustfinger that night. Then she decided against it. Do 
you think I can take out some of those books into my room? She asked instead. I'm sure you can, so long as they don't disappear into your box. Like that book thief you once told me about. Peggy put three books under her left arm and four under her right arm. How many was he... How many was it he stole? Thirty thousand. Forty thousand, said Mo. But at least he didn't kill the owners. No, that was the Spanish monk whose name I've forgotten. Maggie went over to the door and opened it with her toe. Dustfinger says Capricorn will kill you to get hold of that book. She tried to make her voice sound casual. Would he, Mo? Maggie, Mo turned around with the paper knife, pretending to point it at her threateningly. Go and lie in the sun or bury your pretty nose in those books. But please let me get some work done, and tell Dustfinger I shall carve him into very thin slices with this knife if he goes on telling you such nonsense. That wasn't a proper answer, said Maggie, making her way to the passage with an armful of books. Once in her room, she spread the books out of the huge bed and began to read. She read about beetles who moved into empty snail shells as we might move into the, an empty house, about frogs shaped like leaves and caterpillars with brightly coloured spines on their backs. White-bearded monkeys, stripy anteaters, and cats that dig into the ground for sweet potatoes. There seemed to be everything here, every creature Maggie could imagine, and even more that she could never have dreamed existed at all. But none of Eleanor's clever books said a word about martins with horns.